You're listening to the Redemption City Church podcast. To learn more about Redemption City Church, visit us online at rccbaltimore.org. Well, good morning again. It's been so good to uh, to be with you all. Um, we we pray for um, all of our church plants in the Strickland House on Monday for Monday missions. And so we're just grateful to, to be able to see you guys. And so my, my, my wife and my kids are going to be here uh, somewhere in the front row for the next service. So you guys will actually hear me over the clamor of children uh, that will be here uh, with, my, with my family. But it's good to meet you guys. It's good to see you all. Uh, it's good to see those who have been praying for. And our prayers will be uh, encouraged and more enthusiastic because of our time. And um, I, I do bring greetings from Imago Day Church uh, in Raleigh. Uh, for those who are there, they say, what's up? And then for those who have gone out from among us, who still pray for you, or for you, I also just bring a hearty hello. So uh, we, we are going to be um, in this series called Live Together. And as we talked about a moment ago, what we're going to do is talk about this through the perspective of caring for one another. And so this is why this is important. There's two reasons. One is more of a, a kingdom idea. One is specific to your church. First of all, we live in a time where it feels like we have to get more and more creative with our Christian witness. Do you guys agree with that? We have to have, uh, it seems like we have to get more, uh, just um, spend more brain power trying to figure out how it is we are going to demonstrate and proclaim the gospel to those who are living around us. And uh, secondly, as the best I understand it, Redemption City Church is made up of folks who are from a whole bunch of different places, who are somewhat new to the faith, and others, uh, you might be the only Christian in your family. So with that in mind, yes, the, the idea of caring for one another is for the watching world to look to us and see a different kind of way to live, but also to actually to care for you too. This is a beautiful thing, how there's this multitask going on in our caring for one another. So in the New Testament, there's a lot, it has a lot to say about living together, and uh, it has a lot of that summed up in these one another commandments. There's, they're, they're all over the New Testament, but here I'll, I'll just kind of give you a couple uh, things like live peaceably with one another, which sounds easy, but y'all know who you are. Uh, <laughs> pray for one another, encourage one another, care for one another, which we're going to look at in Galatians 6 today. And the mystery of these one another passages is that uh, they're best lived out in commitment to a local church. I could spend lots of time talking about why uh, local church membership is such an awesome thing, but here I'll just give you at least one. The, the idea of the, the, the Scripture itself is actually held together by several covenants, promises, agreements. You guys might be aware of God's covenant promise to Noah never to flood the earth again. You guys might be aware of God's covenant promise to David that there will always be somebody in his line that will be a king, and we know that king is going to be Jesus. And we also uh, remember Jesus' promise to us that he is going to prepare a place for us. He's going to come back here and then uh, have his kingdom here. And so as his image bearers, those who are made in the likeness of God, we also have the opportunity to mirror God in our actions and our words and things like that. And so we also make covenants to each other. Promises to each other. When you see two people who are standing at the altar, they're making a covenant to each other in marriage. 
And there's a mystery going on there. If you guys have read Ephesians 5, there's a mystery of Christ and the church that those two's covenant together is doing something larger than itself. It's uh, giving a, a witness to the watching world that there is a God, there is a church, and that there is a Jesus who's committed to it. You see that? And likewise, we as believers covenant together as members uh, to be a kingdom outpost. See, the kingdom hasn't come yet, but it's coming. And it's our job to give every indication to the fact that it is. And so in the kingdom, uh, our needs are met perfectly. So in the church, we try to meet each other's needs the best as possible. In the kingdom, there are no more tears. And so in the church, every tear should, go, uh, should not be uh, shed without being comforted. In the kingdom, there's no more death. So as a church, we look forward to the day together where death shall be no more. And so within covenant membership in a local church, there is, uh, there is rest. There's peace. There's confidence that when you go through the stuff in your life, you don't have to do it by yourself. Somebody has got your back. This is a beautiful thing. We don't have to do this by ourselves, and this is what the community of God is all about, living out these one another commands in the New Testament amongst a covenant people is a testimony to the coming kingdom, and it actually gives a testimony to our promise-keeping God that those who are not among us can see and actually might see a, 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 a glimpse that that God actually does, in fact, exist. There's so much going on here. It's already been mentioned that uh, since Monday evening, the world has been watching what's going on in the uh, University of Cincinnati Medical Center where uh, Bill Safety DeMar Hamlin is being treated. The NFL community of players and coaches and owners, uh, they, they get a lot from the game, right? They get fame, admiration. I see some jerseys in the crowd even right now. They get glory, they get riches, but over the past week, there's been videos and reports of people in the NFL community uh, giving back to itself, offering prayers, caring for people that are even on other teams. And so because of this, reporters and commentators have said, this is the beauty of the NFL brotherhood, you know? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> they're, they're like, this is the spirit of sports, and in, in these moments, it, we can kind of understand what they're saying because they're not just taking from the game, but they're actually giving to it. But how much more do we have to give and how much better of a story do we have to tell as the people of God about our resurrected Lord? We have a story to tell with our lives. And this life together actually helps to set the table to tell that story, uh, committing to give, but then also receive from God's people is such a gift. And so one way we demonstrate that is through this idea of caring for each other. So to set the, uh, this is my intro after my intro, to, 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 I'm going to get to it, but I heard Adam preaches for like 50 minutes, so I got some time, y'all. You know, we're going we're gonna to be around. There's restrooms out here to the back. You know, there's coffee downstairs. And so do what you need to do. And so to set the, 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 the text, the, the context, uh, uh, Galatians 6 follows Galatians 5, which has lots of stuff, but it really uh, is famous for the fruits of the Spirit. And so there's no mistake that this text about caring for each other 
follows this text about the fruits of the Spirit because, you know, when we are filled with the fruits of the Spirit, after we're transformed by the gospel, that, at that point, we can do this work of caring for each other, loving each other, supporting each other. And so to be explicit, there's something that happens in us when Christ comes, transforms us, and actually gives us the capacity to be able to love each other in the way that this text is calling us to do. So if you're not a believer in the room and you're trying to do this stuff that we're talking about in chapter 6, 1 through 10, there's a prerequisite. And it's to have Jesus come and transform you. Transform your life. Transform your desires to be able to desire to love and care for somebody else. So, Okay, so let's turn ourselves, our, our, our attention to the text now. It says this in verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch over yourselves, lest you too be tempted. Okay, let's break it down. So first word here is brothers. This word is a translated from a word um, that's, you know, Adelphoi, but whatever. But the, the reason why this is significant is because it's talking about the whole people of God, men and women together, not just like boys, okay? So, so brothers, all y'all, the people, the, 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 the church. The second thing is it's because it's saying brothers and sisters, essentially, this is talking about people who are saved, and so it says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any kind of transgression, as I'm sort of, you know, just saying it from memory, uh, this, is not, this, is, this is one of those things that uh, it could be translated if someone is surprised or overtaken by sin. It's almost like you guys had some snow here. I was in Ohio for Christmas, all over from North Carolina, and it was a bad move because it was like negative seven degrees. And my kids got toys or wanted to play outside, and I was like, no. I was like, I was raised in California, we, we, and not in the mountains, like in the valleys, like we don't do this. And so because, like, I thought about that because, uh, you know, it's like if you slipped on the road, that's what it's saying here. If anyone is caught, if anyone is surprised, it's like slipping on an icy patch on the road. So to say it plainly, sin doesn't sit around waiting to be seized upon, it comes for us, okay? We, we have to be on our guard so it won't catch us. So even if you, by God's grace, are having victory over that sin, even if by God's grace you're, 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 you're doing well in that area that just constantly nags you, that thorn in your flesh, you, by God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit, you're walking in victory, don't let your guard down. Don't let your guard down. We have an adversary who is prowling around like a, roar, a roaring lion looking for somebody to destroy. And sometimes he's not even roaring. He's in the alley like this, just kind of waiting to sneak up on you. And so it's not like he's loud. He's good at what he does. But we have to be on guard, okay? And that's what this is telling us. And, so, and then Paul says, so you who are spiritual, meaning those who are walking in the Spirit, who are spiritually minded, we have the responsibility to take the initiative to go and restore, seek restoration for those who are caught in sin. Okay? And so the Christian duty here is to go and get that brother or sister back. So the word that Paul uses here is for correction, making a repair, uh, doing the work of a surgeon, setting a broken limb. And so this text begs the question for us, do we know a brother or sister who is caught in sin? Do we know anybody who is living out of step of faithfulness with the gospel? And, and the thing is, Sometimes we'll be the one who needs to get 
brought back and restored. And sometimes we're the one who is going and getting folks. It's the one who is walking in the Spirit now who does that work. And so if they're a true believer, they've acknowledged at some point that God, God's design is best for us. God's plan is uh, delivered to us most clearly in the Scriptures, but they're walking out of step with it. And so it's, it's funny that even though God's uh, plan for us is given to us in such plain language, when sin catches us, when it seizes us, it brings shame and bewilderment and ultimately isolation from the people of God. So that's why Paul is saying, those who are filled with the Spirit right now, go get them. Lovingly bring them back. And I think, you know, so sometimes we want to resist this in our culture. We resist the idea of, uh, of bringing people back or admonishing people because we want to create these judgment-free zones, right? Like, that's, that's, that's one of the, 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 the ultimate virtues of our time. But the reason why that's the case, the reason why we feel so awkward doing this is because people are just so sick of getting beaten up by people holding Bibles, using them as a bludgeon to demonstrate their own righteousness over other people. We have to, as Paul insists in the next phrase, in the spirit of gentleness, we ought to be doing this work. And so this is not to be done in a spirit of demeaning, uh, demeaning anybody or shaming anybody. It's because you love them. You guys know what's best for you, not because you're so brilliant, but because God has revealed himself to us in his word, right? And you're calling them not back to yourself, you're calling them back to Christ. That's where their best is found, we're not calling somebody back to, to hey, we got to fly, right? we got to do it. No, no, no. You're calling them back to what's best for them. Faithfulness to the Scriptures. I think some of us have, uh, you know, at least Christians in the past, have been under the impression that, you know, the harder you come down on somebody, the better. And that's just not the case. That's just not the case. Most often we've come down someone hard like that because they've sinned against us. Right? And that's not the point of all this. So, so let me remind you that your acts of righteousness are like filthy rags. And so we can't fool ourselves. There is only one that is truly righteous. And our Savior could have crushed us on, uh, like a rock, but he is the rock on which we stand now. And so we, as those who are walking in step by God's grace in the Spirit, should call people back to faithfulness to the scriptures in that same way, with gentleness. And so this is, this is what it means to actually love each other. Some of you guys might be saying, it's good when people love me by, by, by leaving me be. Stay out of my business. Give me my space, you know? It, I know you live next door to me, but, you know, give me, some, give me my room. I need my elbow room, you know? Uh, and it, no, we have to be all up in each other's lives because we love each other, caring for each other. You know, uh, and so as we do this work, we have to be those who are continually doing two things, taking the log out of our own eye as we tend to the speck in our brother or sister's eye. And, all, and secondly, continually shift, sifting our motivations for why we're approaching them about their sin, for their own good, not for our own self-righteous delight. And then the, then the verse one says, keep watch over yourselves. And so as you do this work, you might be uh, tempted 
uh, because you're, you're, you might be entering into or calling somebody out of a sin that God has delivered you from. So we have to be careful as we do that. Be mindful of where you go. Uh, take others with you. Be on your guard. And so a wise mentor told me that uh, an unguarded strength is a double weakness. If you're a note taker, that's the note today. Uh, an unguarded strength is a double weakness. And so as humans, we are prone to, our hearts are prone to wonder. You know, and so, so as we are even going after somebody, as the one who is filled with the Spirit, we have to take heed to ourselves unless we slip as we're going to grab somebody else and call them back to faithfulness. And so this is just a, a, a reminder as, as we are going and, and doing that good work. And so Paul, after Paul discussed the burden of sin-bearing, he, uh, he broadens the scope uh, to various kinds of burdens in verses 2 to, two to 6. So that was long. I'm not going to spend every, that, that, that long on every other verse. Okay? So be encouraged. So uh, verse, <laughs> verses 2 to 6, it says this, Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then, uh, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. Verse 5, for each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. And so, first of all, let's clear something up real quick. This, I, at first blush, if you look at verses 2 and, verses, and verse 5, it looks like Paul contradicts himself. You see that? Uh, he instructs us to bear our own burdens, verse 2, and then verse 5, uh, everyone will have to bear his own load. So this potential contradiction is resolved by understanding that Paul is using two different Greek words here. The first one in verse 2 is uh, translated uh, burdens, refers to a, a very heavy load, one that no one could be expected to carry for any length of time. The second one uh, uh, translated in verse 5, load, is used elsewhere to refer to a ship's cargo. You see this in, in, uh, in Acts 27, verse 10. Or a soldier's knapsack, or a pilgrim's backpack, something that's manageable. You guys see the difference? Okay, good. And if you didn't, I was going to kind of go on anyway. So, um, so John Stott, uh, a great sort of uh, theologian exegete, he, he gives us this quote to help us uh, understand this. He says, we are, a, we are to bear one another's burdens, which are too heavy for a man to bear alone, but there is one burden in which we cannot share. In fact, we don't need to because it is a pack light enough for every man to carry himself. And that is our responsibility to God on the day of judgment. And on that day, you, you, you cannot carry my pack and I, not, I cannot carry yours. And so verse 5, in verse 5, Paul, uh, he used the present tense, for each will bear his own load. You see that? So in the, as we're in, at judgment, and so to indicate that the load that every Christian must carry before the judgment seat of Christ. And so if I can sort of continue to explain what Stott is, is saying here, it needs to be said that we are responsible for bearing our load on judgment day, and it's only manageable, again, because we're talking about Christians because Christ has borne our burden for us. See that? So if you're not in Christ today, um, that's, so this is impossible for you, okay? But there is a Savior who understands just how wicked you are, just how much, uh, you know, dirt you've done. He's died for that, rose from the dead, victorious, and he's a gentleman. So if you allow him, that death and resurrection can be for you. 
And because of that, your burden is now become a load. And so in Christ, he will transform that burden that you cannot bear yourself into something that's actually manageable. And that is good news. And so now we got that cleared up. Let's go back to verse 2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so all Christians have burdens, don't we? And so our burdens may differ in size and shape, but the providential orderings of our lives, we all are carrying something. For, for some of you guys might, uh, right now, it could be the, the, this, this heavy temptation or the consequences of a moral lapse, the verse one sort of burden. But for others, it might be a physical ailment, a mental disorder, a family crisis, lack of employment, or a host of other things. But no Christian is exempt from troubles. And so uh, creation itself is groaning for redemption. Believers also are, are, are groaning for this deliverance that will uh, one day be secure in the kingdom. And so Christians should always be looking uh, for ways to bear the burdens of others. And in fact, as you are sitting here, look, look around the room. Can you name two burdens in the room outside of your own family? Can you think of, can you name two specific burdens of somebody in this room that doesn't share your last name? And then added to that, what have you done about it? Have you actually done something to help lighten that load, or that burden, verse 2 burden, for any of those people? If we haven't, Scripture is clear. You ought to get to work. Either get to work knowing each other, so you can actually know what those burdens are, or get to work burden bearing. And so, and this is something that, I mean, I would encourage you to do, um, you know, following the service, at lunch, with, your, you know, with somebody who's here, what burdens do we know in the room? Not just, oh, you know, so-and-so has a heavy heart. Why? What's causing that weight? Get specific and figure out how you can bear those burdens. This is what the scripture is talking about. This is how they'll know that there's a God in heaven because he has transformed you all to be able to do that in that way. And this is also how the people of God will be encouraged to put one foot before the other in this life that seems like it's such a burden. You guys can do that with the Spirit's help. And so this, this is why it's so good to be a part of a local church. This is why we just can't take this for granted. This is, this is something amazing that you guys have here. Okay, calm down. So, but, but, but this, I mean, I just, I, I just, it's just, it's just good, y'all, right? Can you guys feel it? I mean, goodness. So it's, it's easy for us to, to, to be able to identify burdens that, are similar to the ones that we've borne in our lives or the ones that we've been close to, even if they're not even our own. And so, like, like for me, you know, we mentioned that we have three kids in the house, one with the Lord. So if anybody is struggling with uh, infertility, miscarriage, you know, stillborn, infant loss, my, my heart just, you know, I, it, it's just automatically just warmed to you. Uh, there's so much empathy there. Uh, my, my heart is just warmed in, you know, just the idea of bearing my own precious daughter just fills my heart with compassion and compels me into action. 
And so, but the church, as, as, we, as we begin to carry more kinds of burdens, as more and more types of people from different walks of life come into uh, the church, we'll have to expand the different kinds of burdens that, we are, that, we are, that we're bearing. So folks who are, who are walking through uh, an immigration citizenship process, there's certain burdens there. You might not, not have borne them yourself, but they're there. They're real. And so what are those burdens? Help your brothers and sisters out. For those who are immunocompromised, walking through a pandemic, and now we're in flu season, you know, there's lots of fears there, right? I mean, help somebody out, like bear, help bear that burden. You know, people who uh, uh, might be uh, in families who have disowned them because of your faith in Christ, there's burdens there. What are they? Let's get to burden bearing. You see, see how this thing works? It might not be your burden, but it might be somebody else's, and you can figure out how to do that. The, the reality is that we often want our burdens born the way, or we often bear burdens in the way that we want our burdens born. There you go. There's this book by uh, Gary Chapman called The Five Love Languages. Anybody ever read it? See, everyone always says yes. That dude is probably flying around in his jet over us right now. Uh, <laughs> and so, I... Man, so yeah, the five love languages, man. I mean, Gary, man, like, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll make copies of my book and give it to you. He don't need us anymore. So um, uh, <laughs> it's like on version number 75. And so, and he just keeps, you know, changing one or two words and keeps selling them. And so, but Gary Chapman, uh, it's like textbooks. We, don't, we got a lot of students in the house. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, so I digress. So Gary Chapman, in his book, The Five Love Languages, the premise is that we love others in the way that we receive love, but others are likely to receive love in different ways, and so if we desire to love them, we need to understand how they want to be loved and love them that way. And so I, I'm, I just lavish these, you know, words of affirmation on my wife, and they just fall flat because all she wants is my time. She just wants to hang out a little bit, and I'm just like, oh, babe, you're this, this, and this, and this, and she's like, mm-hmm. Why are you telling me this on the phone? Get over here, you know? And so, uh, so, so we, we have to, in order to love each other well, we have to even figure out, okay, yeah, what is their burden, but how, how do they want their burden to be borne? It might be a, a simple thing. It might be a phone call. It might just be, hey, just come and sit with me. You know, you don't have to have all the answers to all my, my complex web of problems. It might just be, be incarnational with me. That there's, a, there's a precedent there, isn't it? Sit with me. Cry with me. Or just, hey, we could just sit here and watch the football game together. And because I just need the, some people with me to represent the, the, the kindness of God in the midst of all this difficulty. And so uh, part of, the, of being in the body of Christ is that we don't always, uh, ha- we don't have to forget our burdens as we're bearing uh, others' burdens either. And so there's a, there's a story uh, in, that's told in three of the Gospels, primarily told at length in Mark chapter 2. There's some friends who rip off the roof of a, of a place where Jesus is teaching. They lower their friend down, and so Jesus can heal him. And so there's times in the Christian life where you'll be carrying the stretcher, and other times when you'll be on the stretcher. This is about mutual burden bearing, because sometimes we don't bear burdens because people are so prone to think, well, who's going to care about me? Who's going to bear my burden? Well, the per- same person whose burden you've borne. Because it's not like one person is perpetually stronger and one's perpetually weaker. It's just seasons of life, chapters in life, and we'll see what happens, but this is what we're called to do. And so as we look at verse 3, 
uh, it speaks directly to the, the myth of self-sufficiency when Paul says, uh, for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. And so the inertia of our society is to be self-sufficient and independent. And so just think about it. What is considered to be normal adulting practice makes us uh, uh, independent in our emergencies and even in our old age. I'm all for biblical stewardship. I'm all for being responsible. But at the same time, these things can wall us off from even needing each other. Okay? Some of us try to live our lives making us so isolated where we don't have to have anybody in our lives to help us. This is not a good thing. You are doing at least two detrimental things. The first one is you are uh, blocking somebody from blessing you. So the Lord, so you could have a need, and the Lord could be already working on somebody's heart over here to meet that need. They're just looking for somebody who has a need. But you're so worried about being independent and pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps, you don't say anything, and then they're just like wondering, like, okay, I guess that's not a thing, God. Allow somebody in to bless you. And secondly, I've seen people who are, who are strong people, you know, uh, say, you know what? I just feel like nobody cares for me. Well, that's a myth from the pit of hell. Because if you don't tell anybody, nobody can even know how to help you. And then you'll just go on sulking. Oh, no one wants to help me. No one this, no one that. Well, because they don't know. We have to be vulnerable enough to let people in, to help us, to love us. And so then verse 4, we'll continue there. Paul says, uh, but let each one test his own work, and then uh, his reason to boast will, will, will be in himself alone and not in, uh, and not in his neighbor. And so uh, just real quick here, as we do the work of caring, it's important for us not to insist on comparing ourselves to others, especially as we're you know, burden-bearing with them in sin. Okay, so, so what, we sh- what we should do, this is especially important for, for those who are, who are helping somebody with their shortcomings, and as the Christian well knows, uh, the only life that's worth boasting about is Christ himself. And so uh, in this verse, it allows us to celebrate the victories over sin that we have, but not in comparison to others. And so uh, as we sort of continue to move through the passage, I won't do verse 5 again, but we'll go to verse 6. The final burden that he talks about, Paul does, uh, broaches the subject of the burden of the teacher. And it says, let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. So suffice it to say that Paul is suggesting that a teacher or minister's needs uh, must not go unmet because of preparing to teach. So if we take ourselves back to the time when this was written. A lot of our work, a lot of not our work, their work was uh, going towards things like hunting, building a shelter, uh, you know, making clothes and things like this. So a teacher who spent a disproportionate amount of time preparing to teach, also ministering to others, had needs like they're not going hunting because they're caring for folks. They're, they're not, you know, tending to their, to their shelter because they're ministering to people. And so this like helped them by doing that. So I'll just leave that there. And so that's really what that's just saying. As they're, they're spending their time not meeting uh, other kinds of needs, and so to, for those who are taught the word, to share all good things with those who teach. And so Paul continues his logic about with the age-old adage of reaping and sowing in verses 7 and 8. And those verses say this, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. 
For the one who sows to the flesh will from the flesh reap uh, corruption, and the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So Paul breaks down the Christian life into this illustration of sowing and reaping. And this logic is pretty simple. If you plant corn, you get corn. If you plant soybeans, you get... There you go. You guys, are, you guys are smart. I know this. I talked to Adam about you guys. And so, yeah. And so, but likewise, if you sow seeds of sinfulness, brokenness will emerge. And if you sow seeds of righteousness, goodness and wisdom will sprout. But some of us live like we're trying to defy logic, the logic that God has interwoven into the world by sowing seeds of evil, trying to reap good, sowing seeds of selfishness, trying to receive this care that so, seems so elusive to you. William Barclay is so helpful here. He says, if we allow the lower side of our nature to dominate us, in the end, we can expect nothing but a harvest of trouble. But if we keep on walking the highway and doing the fine thing, in the end, God will repay. This directs us to a real and poignant point that God will, and He has forgiven us from our sin in Jesus Christ, but the consequences of our sin will not be wiped away in the same way. So uh, when we sow seeds uh, of commitment and caring, they'll be returned. And so, but many of us are waiting for someone to care for us before we do that. And so uh, we, and this is, this is where, this is good. And this is that, this hit me this morning again. We care for people not because of their own merit, but because of the merit of Christ. We don't wait for somebody to be worthy of our care we, as those who are believers, right, brothers and sisters, Adele Foy, the first, verse, uh, the first word in chapter, uh, verse 1, we respond to each other not because we're worthy of it, but because we are responding out of gratitude to Christ. The Lord Jesus has met our biggest need. And now what we do is pay it forward to others. And this is so clear in Matthew chapter 25. The Lord Jesus reminds us that caring for his people is caring for him. So uh, chapter 25, verse 35, it says, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And, and then the righteous will answer, saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And then uh, verse 20, uh, 38 says, and when do we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? Uh, and then, and, and when, when do we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And this is where it, this is where it all comes to clarity. And the king will answer them, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the, the least of these, my brothers, you have done to me. We are caring for each other out of an overflow of response, of love and gratitude for what the Lord Jesus has done for us. You know, so, so those who are, who are parents, those kids, don't wait until they've earned that love and care that they need, because they won't earn it, trust me. Uh, I, I only got nine years of experience, but they haven't done it yet. And so uh, with any sort of consistency, you know, uh, so, but we have to respond to them because of what Christ has done, not because they've earned it. To that spouse who is just frustrating the snot out of you, respond to them as you respond to Christ, 
not because they've earned it, but lavish love and care and forgiveness upon them. And, and, and it will transform things. And by the way, spouses are not always annoying. But, you know, I'm just saying, you know, upon the text here. And so uh, that, that's, what we're, that's what we're called to do. And when we do that, we are loving our Savior. And so we don't respond to others based upon their merit, but respond to people out of the merit that Christ has wrought on the cross. And so there's fin- the two final exhor- uh, exhortations in verses 9 and 10. Uh, and and uh, in our triumph and sorrows and long days and long nights sowing seeds of righteousness, Paul says this to us, let us not grow weary in doing good. Because he recognizes that the crop of righteousness grows slowly. And so it's, it is important for us to learn this lesson. The crop of righteousness grows slow, but the weeds of sin grow quickly. Anybody said amen? We understand that it's so sweet to the taste. It's so good immediately, sin is. But then the hook comes, and the devil's gotcha. And so it's the, the, the beginning, oh, it's just so good, but hey, but that, but that right cross is coming and so, but the seeds of righteousness, they grow slowly. It is so much better. It's so much more sustaining when the seeds of righteousness grow. And he knows it takes a while. When you have to go and press into the scriptures, press into the community to be, to be encouraged when you're struggling with that sin, as we talked about in verse 1, because, but we shouldn't grow weary as we're waiting for that crop of righteousness to grow because, I'm telling you, it is so much better than the fleeting pleasures of this world. And so, let your hearts not grow weary as the seeds of righteousness bloom, as we're lured into these fleeting and quick pleasures of this life. And then he says, finally, uh, Paul insists uh, in verse 10 that the first fruits of caring, our efforts, must go to the God's people. He says, so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially those who, uh, who are of the household of faith. So, beloved, we have a story to tell. And we tell that story with our words but also with our lives, and in our lives together, because we can only demonstrate the care and compassion of Christ when we do it together. So people who are outside here, they look at what's going on here and say, something is different going on in that building. Amongst those people, there's something, they just, they're kind of weird, but there's something that's kind of drawing me in that's other than what's going on everywhere else that I'm involved And so as you guys are doing the work of a community, uh, covenanted together, discovering and exercising your spiritual gifts, praying for each other, serving each other, teaching each other, forgiving one another, being hospitable to one another, receiving care and support through difficult times, worshiping together as a gathered body, being engaged and seeing the baptism, taking the Lord's Supper together, uh, receiving corporate accountability. These are all ways to tell that story. Don't we all want to be a part of that kind of community? It is just utterly out of this world. And it truly is. Because it points us to the the time, the kingdom that's to come. And we can experience glimpses of that in a committed community together. And so if, if if you want that kind of place, this can be that kind of place. But we have to be filled with the Spirit Walking in the Spirit, looking to one another, bearing burdens that are similar to ours and that are very, very different from ours. Being attentive to each other, not saying, well, hey, I haven't had that burden, therefore it doesn't exist. 
That's not what we do. We bear burdens, suffer long with each other. And so, and, and if you're somebody in this room who is like, I can't do that. Well, there was a man named Jesus who knows all that you've ever done. He knows that thought that you had about that person that one time, about that one thing. He knows what you, the sinfulness ideas you've acted upon, yet still, he died for you. You don't have to carry that burden anymore. Okay, but I want, God, I want you to want me, but I need to come to you cleaned up. Nope, that's not how it works. The cross is what cleans you up. And then you can be a part of his family. Jesus has died. The wages of sin is death. Jesus has died for your sins. You don't have to do that yourself. Jesus has done that for you. And then he rose victoriously over death and sin and over your sin if you let him. And then you can be uh, welcomed into a family and pursue these wonderful opportunities to love each other and care for each other and be a part of a witness that is going to be electric in this world where it's harder and harder to have a public and consistent witness. And then you also will be encouraged and loved by others too. This is the mystery of the church. And it's such good news. And so may God bless you and keep you and may his face shine upon you as you guys do this very thing. And I just want to pray for you guys as you, as you are commissioned off into this week. But we got some other stuff to do, like supper and stuff. But, you know, I'll pray for us. Father, we're just so grateful for the scriptures today. The fact that this message is written for us in the word of God. You have not hidden yourself from us. You have made yourself plain to us through your word and through Jesus Christ. And also uh, for those who are in and around believers, just the testimony of transformation that we've had, God. And so uh, with that, we do ask that you would inhabit our praises. Make these gatherings of people more than just the people, but uh, an outpost of the coming kingdom. May people be feel loved and cared for and cherished and seen and belong in the church, God. May those people who struggle with sin be able to be here and be, uh, and be those who are restored to Christ. May those who are not in Christ be able to come and seek out, who is this Jesus? What is this community thing you keep talking about? Why should we care for people asking all these questions? May those questions be asked here in a safe place. May they be drawn to you. Father, we, we know that all that we have that's good is from you, so we thank you today. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your goodness, for your long-suffering, for your example to us that we can model and live out amongst each other. God, we, we are grateful recipients of yourself and your word, and so uh, tune our hearts to the things that are out of this world this morning through this service. We ask this in your name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's message, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you stream your podcasts. To find other messages or get more information about Redemption City Church, visit us online at rccbaltimore.org. Thank you for listening to the Redemption City Church Podcast.